Hello, everyone, and this is Brian Hornback and the Brian Hornback Experience. This is episode 88, and I've got another office holder who's up for re-election on August the 4th. Early voting starts July the 15th and runs through the 30th, and I have none other than I believe I'm right on this, the senior General Sessions judge out of the five General Sessions judges in Knox County. He's now the senior um, that means he's served a little bit longer than the other four. I have uh, General Sessions Judge uh, Chuck Cerny on the phone right now. How you doing, Chuck? I am doing really fine, Brian. Great. Uh, I I think you're intending to compliment me based on my alleged senior status, but uh, uh, you may just be calling me old. No, no. I, it, it's all about your senior status because, as I recall, in 1998, you were about, 22 years old, just out of law school. So, you know, that's... It, it was uh, just a little bit older than that. Yeah. But, uh, that's a kind thing to say. By Absolutely. the way, Judge Stansberry is my senior by oh. about four-ish years, give or take. Oh, right. so yeah. Something so, like that. So Stansberry got on about 94 then. Ah. Yeah. That's interesting. That time. I okay. think so. Yep, I think yep. So. I met him in 1990 when he was working for... Um, when he was working for uh, District, District Attorney General uh, Ed Dossett, and uh, Dossett was in a, uh, it's a funny story. I've told, uh, I, I remind Tony about this all the time, but there was a big press conference with um, General Dossett's opponent was going to show where General Dossett was doing campaign activity on the clock. And when they showed up uh, to roll the video, it was none other than Tony Stansberry. So Tony Stansberry got confused for General Dossett. And anybody that any, anybody that, that remembers General Dossett when he was our attorney general and then tries to compare them to Tony Stansberry, they might have been about the same height, but they weren't the same size. So, yeah. But that's, 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 that's a great funny story from, from my past. But anyway, you're running for re-election. You have an opponent, which... I guess is the first time you've had an opponent since the first time you got elected, right? Um, I did have an opponent in the very first election in 1998. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. But uh, um, at the time, we were running for a seat that was going to be vacated, and uh, we're still good friends. Um, the uh, um, magistrate for child support um, over across the way, she's, she's a great uh, judge, and... Um, Oh my gosh! It's is funny it, that is would Brenda, come up. And, is it Brenda? Yeah, is, Brenda, Brenda McDaniel. Yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. And yep. uh, um, she was uh, uh, the Republican candidate that I um, managed to prevail over, and then I faced uh, Gene Bell. Gene Bell. He, wow, Gene Bell used to be on the uh, election commission back in the day. We are going a ways back. We are. We are. Well, we we need we need to get off of that. We need to we need to live in the, <laughs> we need to live in the current and not the and not the future. So you've been married to your wife Kim for about thirty years. You That's have correct. You have a daughter and a son-in-law, and you have a uh, and you have a son. Well, you and Kim have a daughter and a son-in-law, and you have a son, and you also have uh, three grandchildren, which I'm sure y'all are very proud of, right? Absolutely, they're a blast. They're very good kids. Uh, human beings have failings. We start seeing failings as soon as, uh, uh, you know, kids are in diapers. And, uh, right. But, when, you know, human beings uh, 
when we're younger, we have this natural tendency to be cute. And when kids are at their best, they're really, really enjoyable. Yeah. Um, you know, and sometimes I've, I've you know, kind of looking at it in retrospect, when, when my grandkids are a little on the grumpy side, it's because we've asked them to be, uh, uh, you know, they get a little overtired sometimes. Oh. We should, uh, you know, uh, that's that's all. But uh, yeah. sometimes Connor would prefer to continue watching his cool videos about uh, his favorite uh, animated characters when it's time for him to go home uh, after dinner, you know, at our house, right. uh, go home to his house. He, he prefers to stay at Mimi's house, so oh. he, he lets us know. But that's, you know, even then, he's a cute little kid. Right. He's so, about four, and uh, Kinsey is about two, and Colin is uh, just a few months old. He's adorable. Now, too, Colin, so. Colin is the one that was at the uh, Candidate Expo a month or so ago, right? He, ex- exactly. All right, and, uh, cool. Uh, I was out there kissing babies, and I had to make sure I brought my own baby to kiss. So. There you go. Uh, but now you've also got two other members of your household that are probably just as important as the grandkids, and those will be your two Irish wolfhounds, Boomer and what, Baxter? That's exactly correct. Cool. Uh, how, how, how old are they now? Years old. Okay. Uh, five and a half. Uh, they were born September 30th. And uh, they had their fifth birthday last September, and uh, they are just really, really wonderful. I've had some fantastic dogs, and I'm kind of a dog guy. I love love cats too, but uh, uh, we've got some family members who are allergic. But mm. uh, you know, our our Irish wolfhounds are really, really. They were a, a fantastic stroke of luck, or for good fortune, or blessing, or however you want to describe it. We discovered a, a litter through word of mouth, a farm couple uh, in Philadelphia, Tennessee, uh, part of the way down there on your way to Chattanooga. Just on the south end of Loudoun County, I believe, is Philadelphia. That's, yep. that's correct. Yeah, yep. that's right. So uh, well, That's great. Yeah, and, and if, people, was, if people want to see their picture, they're on chuckcerny.com. I, there's a it's a great picture of you with both of your dogs uh, on your website, and I'll I'll promote your website and your Facebook and your Instagram. Well, your your uh, website and your Facebook, and I, I show that you've got an Instagram. We'll we'll promote that one. I haven't I haven't double checked to make sure that one's there. But let's talk about uh, circuit. Uh, t- talk about circuit court. You don't you're not even on circuit court. Let's talk about general sessions court. Everything. You know, we're going to assume that most everybody's never been to General Sessions Court, but everything that happens in judiciary pretty much starts in General Sessions Court, correct? I mean, if it's criminal or civil, everything kind of starts at General Sessions for the most part, right? That is that is very um, accurate assessment. <clears throat> One of the things that uh, Sessions Court is, is a, basically a trial-level court if you really break it down to simplest terms. Sessions court is a trial level court, but jury trials are not available. And the reason that Sessions court was created by statute is um, the the legislature wanted an opportunity for litigants to have uh, uh, a chance to get their case heard on a prompt and speedy basis if it was uh, the kind of thing that was sort of limited in scope. And so there is a jurisdictional limit 
in uh, Sessions Court in civil cases of up to $25,000. Okay. And um, in criminal, in the criminal setting, we handle everything from speeding to murder, mm. but we will not handle a jury trial uh, because we don't have jurisdiction to do that. So as a result, what happens is um, in the case of a felony uh, and a, a need for a jury trial on a felony, uh, those cases we handle on the basis of a preliminary hearing. And the idea is to get the preliminary hearing to occur promptly. And a preliminary hearing is a protection that each citizen has when they're accused of, of violating Tennessee's criminal statutes. Uh, the state has got to produce enough proof, enough evidence to uh, justify the prosecution continuing on to the grand jury and then eventually to criminal court where a jury trial is possible. Uh, when it comes to civil cases, uh, when you have a jurisdictional limit, then you do have some car wrecks, but you wouldn't have some sort of, uh, you know, massive catastrophic uh, injuries where there's damages and medical expense of you know, in excess of $25,000, you can go ahead and bring that case initially in circuit court. Um, but Sessions Court is a place where uh, car wreck cases happen, disputes between homeowners and contractors, disputes between landlords and tenants. Uh, Landlord-tenant actions, because of the fact that the landlord and the tenant both need a speedy resolution to their case, jurisdiction or monetary jurisdiction is not limited. It's, uh, it's mm. unlimited jurisdiction in those cases. So, um, you know, a general sessions court judge has to be adept and, and at least at some level knowledgeable about just about every area of law you might imagine litigating over. So, and, the uh, and the reason you have five judges is that you have five dockets, correct? Well, yeah, um, we have we have five judges because we need five right, judges. Right, we're, right, right. We're that busy. And, right. Um, then, in an effort to not only uh, be fair to each of the judges, of course, you know, if you're going to have judges, you want fair judges, and of course, judges who work with each other want to be fair to each other. So, um, you know, as we said about the business of dividing up the workload, what we have done. Um, is to uh, have five different dockets and rotate each week. And we mm. do that, you know, you, you would normally associate a, a judge with a particular courtroom location, but as a courtesy to each other and to the people participating, we actually physically rotate from courtroom to courtroom. Every Monday, I'm in a, in a new location, uh, same place I was five weeks ago, but it feels new right. every Friday. I get a break from whatever we were doing. So after a long week of intense, multiple co-defendant violence, horrible felony cases, then the next week I get a chance to chastise teenage speeders on, on the side of docket. So you get a little bit of relief uh, uh, in a way, you know, after a tough week. And those cases are tough. But then after a week of arraigning folks and cited cases or traffic-related cases, then we go on to the civil court week. And, um, you know, uh, those cases are – there's a tremendous volume, not quite as uh, much volume as criminal cases, but 
there are more hearings and there's more pro se folks, meaning unrepresented folks. Mm. And then from uh, the civil court week, we go back to a misdemeanor week where we, uh, this really serious case uh, that we'll typically handle in misdemeanor court will typically be uh, domestic violence type cases. And so, uh, and they are very serious and I take them very seriously. The final week uh, uh, is DUI court and we kind of have folks who specialize in DUI prosecution and folks who specialize in DUI defense. And so having that court kind of separate is, uh, is, is a good idea and it's a good way to divide things up. And so each of the five judges, as a courtesy to the people who want to remain in those courtrooms, including prosecutors, um, and of course any uh, unrepresented litigants who have to be there, we, we rotate ourselves. And uh, I used to like to joke with Judge Emery because I followed him before he retired, and for whatever reason, he continuously adjusted the um, the chairs in, on each of the benches <laughs> in such a way that it was really uncomfortable for my for my back and all that stuff. So I uh, uh, don't mean to complain, but every every Monday I had to readjust a chair thanks to Judge Emery. That's funny. Uh, so, uh, so do you see just just again? I don't want numbers, but do you see that DUIs are on the rise? Or have they, are they consistently the same number of DUIs? Have they gone down? What's what's going on with the state of DUIs in, in Knox County, do you, do you think? I, I see um, kind of a plateau right now. I'm seeing steady numbers. Um, I think that uh, local law enforcement, KPD, and, and the Sheriff's Department are doing a really good job of, of enforcing that law, and I respect and appreciate uh, our law enforcement guys. Um, it, it seems to me as if, uh, the relationship of how many DUI cases that you will see, uh, brought into court by the state will, um, bear a necessary relationship to how many officers we can actually put out there on the street. So I, I have seen a decline Lately, it seems like in recent weeks, there's a kind of plateau, but, uh, it's, well, but, um, but the sheriff's department's having issues with uh, personnel right now. I mean, they're, they're having an issue with losing personnel and corrections, which probably uh, affects patrol. And we know KPD just graduated a class. So, so that makes sense. That, that kind of takes us in now uh, to, uh, you know, it, what's funny is that, uh, so you've got, you've got a busy workload, you and four others. Uh, share, but uh, you've also uh, gone above and beyond in some areas. So let's talk about, uh, first of all, you've served on the General Sessions Judge um, Education Committee, if I can read my own writing, but you've also, um, you've also, you're also on the National Association of Drug Court Professionals, and you've been, uh, you're on the board of the Tennessee Association of Recovery court professionals, which leads us into something else that you took up. Back several years ago, we had what was called drug court in Knox County. And uh, unfortunately, one of our former ju- one of our former criminal court judges, who's now passed away, um, succumbed to his own addiction. But he was the one that kind of started the drug court and it was moving along. But obviously, when those things came to light, 
you know, it, it caused a speed bump, so to speak, uh, with the drug court. Um, so there was there was a need for a drug court, and you're the guy that stepped up and said, "I'll take it." And you you helped re in 2011 until currently today and tomorrow and you know next year. Uh, you're you're running. You are the recovery court judge. So let's talk about. Let's not worry about what happened before 2011. Let's talk about what happened when you took over reco- recovery court and and what you see going on in recovery court. Obviously, those are folks that have that have addiction issues, whether it be whether it be the fact that they just have the addiction, whether they've 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 they've, they've fallen into drugs because they've gotten involved in some nefarious criminal activity that got them in for whatever reason they've gotten into an addiction that's caused them to now be in the criminal justice system and now they're going into recovery court so let's talk about that a little bit i am so glad you brought that up brian and thank you for uh, your attention to that uh recovery court or drug recovery court is um basically uh, the wave of the future in criminal justice. And uh, um, when a person in the community generally is trying to keep up with what's going on um, in our courts and you pay attention to the media, you'll get the impression that everybody who has a criminal case or everybody who comes through uh, the justice system is a terribly vicious, mean, awful, horrendous individual. But remember, the media needs to sell, um, you know, get your attention and make sure you're paying attention because they got to sell advertising. So they got to sell papers. Yep. That's that's right. You don't get a chance to see the vast majority of people who are actually uh, needing a change in their lives to not be criminal justice system involved again in the future. And they're actually not quite as mean spirited as some of the worst possible factual scenarios that you hear about. So there is a, a whole group of people who have somewhat less serious charges that are nonviolent offenses that um, are probably motivated by either addiction, mental health issues, or, um, you know, some other, uh, uh, issue that if you got them some help, they wouldn't continue coming back through the revolving door that we often talk about in the criminal justice system. Recovery court is a very difficult program of uh, addiction recovery, treatment, um, living in a halfway house, for example, or or, uh, living in a specialized situation that prevents uh, continued association with your past associates that got you in trouble. Mm. Um, you got to pay restitution. You have to remain on probation. Uh, you have to continue to see your probation officer or um, whether it's county or state. Uh, we used to have folks who were participating in community alternatives to prison program. That program is uh um, no longer going to continue, but that's a different story. But yeah. the, the point is, this is a very difficult five-phase program where in the initial phases, you have a, for example, you can't go out and get a burger at 6.15, you know, in the evening because you're out past curfew. Mm. 
um, in the initial phases, your curfew is 6 p.m. We want you. We want you in your living situation, whether it's a halfway house or or uh, or any other situation. Um, it, just by way of example, and of course, there's at least three random drug screens a week, sometimes mm. more. We have community service, and if you've stolen from somebody to pay for your drug of choice, we're going to insist that you pay your restitution. You know, and we uh, keep our folks employed. They're uh, employed at legitimate jobs where they're paying their taxes and they're trying to pay their court costs off, even though it's difficult. And uh, as the phases go on, there's a little bit more freedom, but there's still an awful lot of obligation. Like, for example, you know, you can't phase up until you have the required amount of clean time. You can't mm. phase up until you've done the required programs. The point of this is when people are uh, involved in recovery court, they are doing a good job of being prepared to reintegrate back into the greater community. I, I tell our participants, you're a member of a community right now, and I hope you feel like you have been welcomed into a community that wants to support you and help you be successful, not only to graduate recovery court, not only to do well with respect to the eventual disposition of the case you have, but also to do well in your life after recovery court. And so that's what we're trying to do. It ends up, remember, every time you can help someone not reoffend, that means another person who does not get victimized. That also means a person doesn't have to be incarcerated. Remember, incarceration is expensive. Right. And every single day we incarcerate somebody, you know, the, the jail fees are about 70 odd bucks a day, I think, if I remember right. Maybe that's old news. Maybe it's more. But the point is incarcerating folks is expensive and getting them to the point where they can deal with their addiction issues successfully and avoid getting rearrested, avoid reoffending, avoid victimizing someone else, and avoid being incarcerated again. That is a huge win-win. It's a win for the community, and it's a win for the individual human beings who are implicated. So, you know. Well, and, and, and then two years after you started Recovery Court, you started the Veterans Treatment Court. So let's talk about that for just a couple of minutes. I appreciate that. I want to be really accurate. I didn't start recovery okay. court, but um, as a result of our success and the way things were, you know, we were able to turn things around. I literally had some local uh, veterans who contacted me, made direct contact, approached me, um, saying that they had a veteran who they knew about who was on probation in another jurisdiction. And this one veteran was able to avoid having his probation revoked if he could tell the judge that he was a participant in a veterans treatment court. And we didn't have one here. So they came to me and they said, hey, we've learned about this veterans treatment court thing. Will you start one for one veteran? Hmm. And I thought about it and I thought, I wonder what kind of trouble I could get myself into. <laughs> I wonder what kind of uh, what kind of problems there would be or bears in the woods. And I thought, hold on a minute. This is a person who selflessly served this country and then had a problem with criminal justice system involvement, and he needs our help. We're going to help this guy. 
so we started a veterans treatment court for one guy who needed to come here from a jurisdiction west of here to complete his probation and successfully complete a veterans treatment court as a condition of his probation that was imposed on him by this other judge. And so we welcomed him in on, into our program. And to be honest with you, he got his law enforcement career back, if I remember right. He wow. was a member of law enforcement, and he was able to reinitiate his career. And since that time, we have had multiple veterans. We've had uh, veterans graduate and become crane operators. We've had veterans graduate, and they um, are successes in real estate to the point where they are managing their own real estate investment portfolio. We've had veterans graduate and just do fantastic things. But, um, one even set up his own halfway house to help other veterans, and we have used that halfway house, and he, he and his wife have done a great job. Well, we got, you know, ju we, got just, we got just a couple more minutes, but I do want to uh, touch on the fact that you serve on the Exploratory Committee for a, a mental health court. So I know that's that's something that I know uh, Mike Hammond has talked about, and I know uh, others in the county have talked about, and I know that's in the preliminary stages, but talk about that because I think some, some, some people are talking about it because it's campaign season, but obviously you have a record of having helped start recovery court and you've had you've helped to implement the veterans treatment court and so now let's talk for a minute or two about the what we see about a mental health court in the near future um we haven't gotten it up and running yet right. we've had several planning meetings but I'm, I'm so proud of the people involved uh general allen charm allen and uh, mayor glenn Vogos and um your criminal court clerk mike hammond uh, and, of course, your uh, uh, district public defender, Eric Ludden, we, we have got some rock stars to come to the table, sit down and cooperate interagency with the Helen Ross McNabb folks, who we uh, really, really appreciate as well. We're going to get ourselves a situation where we're going to be able to deal with criminal justice system involved folks who have mental illnesses. And remember, this population is most likely going to overlap with folks who are homeless. And so right. um, we're, we're going to be able to make a positive difference in uh, mental illness issues and homelessness issues. We don't know exactly what form it's going to take yet, but we're working really hard, and it's probably going to be modeled somewhat closely after the Veterans Treatment Court and the Recovery Court. And uh, to be honest with you, the legislature has uh, – seen fit to allocate some funds for that and because of uh, oh. our close relationship with the tennessee department of mental health and substance abuse services as a result of the uh, recovery court and the veterans treatment court we've got uh, we've got some connections and we're going to be able to fund this in such a way that it's going to represent tremendous taxpayer savings not expense to the taxpayers of this county that's and great. it's going to make a positive difference in uh, safety of our community. I think it's going to be excellent. That's great. So everybody needs to go visit chuckcerny.com. That's C-H-U-C-K-C-E-R-N-Y.com. On Facebook, it's Chuck Cerny, 4 F-O-R, Judge, J-U-D-G-E. Uh, and uh, I guess... As we conclude this this quick uh, 27 and a half minutes, almost 30 minutes, we, we, we're right on time. Uh, I guess uh, this would be your time to 
to ask everybody for their vote. July 15th through the 30th is early vote. August 4th is the general election. And um, and this will be your time to ask for their vote. And we appreciate you being on the Brian Hornback Experience. Brian, thank you so very much for all that you do for our community. And thank you so much for an opportunity to talk directly to your listeners of your podcast. And I really appreciate you. Um, I first got elected in 1998, and ever since that that time, ever since September 1 of 1998, the first time I sat as the general sessions judge, uh, in and amongst the hundreds of thousands of criminal cases and the tens of thousands of civil cases I have heard, I have not had one occasion where I thought to myself, golly, this job is, 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 is not for me. Mm. I have uh, felt each and every day as I'm driving into work, I think, you know, I'm going to have some challenges. It's going to be unique. It's going to be different every single day, but I'm going to enjoy my work because I'm fortunate to have a job that I feel well suited to and that I love. I truly love this job. And um, I shouldn't even use the terminology job, I guess. It's, uh, I'm very fortunate to be involved in a profession where I know that every day I'm doing something important. I truly affect people's lives, and I hope and I pray that I affect people's lives for the better. Well, you have. Um, you certainly have, and we appreciate you, and uh, we look forward to what's going to happen on August the 4th and uh, having you there, and uh, I appreciate you being on the Brian Hornback Experience. Thank you so much, Brian. Thank Thanks you. again. I uh-huh. appreciate you. Bye-bye.